Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His armies. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you bright stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters which are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, because He commanded and they were created. He caused them to stand forever and ever. He gave a decree and it will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and fog, stormy winds that obeyed His word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and all cattle, crawling creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, officials and all judges on earth, young men and also young women, old people with young people. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up a horn for His people, the praise of all His favored ones, for the children of Israel, the people close to Him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, over 2,000 years of Christian New Testament history, the Christian church has ironed out a church year and readings to teach particular lessons to remind and teach us. The church year begins with Advent, which means to come, where we look to that time when Christ will take on human flesh, that's Christmas, and that time when He will die for our sins and rise, And then during Advent, when we kick it off, we actually begin by looking at the time when Christ will come again to judge the heavens and the earth and all mankind. That culminates to Christmas where Christ is born. And then it's actually about two months to maybe up to two years that the Magi, the first Gentiles, come from quite a distance away to worship the newborn king, and that's Epiphany. We look at the appearance of that star and the appearance of Jesus as our Savior because the second Sunday of Epiphany, we look at his baptism where he begins his public ministry, and we look at the things he does that shows he's our Savior. Epiphany is wrapped up by this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday, and then we begin Lent. In Lent, we look at Christ paying for our sins and we take a close look at our sins themselves that show that we need a Savior. But right before we transition into Lent, Transfiguration reminds us Christ on the cross does not appear to be the Savior, but we see His glory. We see, yes, this is God staying on the cross using His godly powers to forgive us. And because we're going to take a very close look at our sins and the payment Christ paid to save us, Right after Transfiguration Sunday, during the rest of the season of Lent, we quit using that word, Alleluia. Alleluia is the first word in today's text. There's many Hebrew words for praise. Allelu here is really about praising boastfully. Boastfully praising God because of all the wonderful things He does. You're, you're the one and I are the ones praising Him, so it's not an arrogant boast that God does Himself. And so today, our sermon theme is, as we say farewell to Alleluia, boastfully praise the Lord. And there our text begins, boastfully praise the Lord, boastfully praise the Lord from the heavens, boastfully praise Him in the heights, boastfully praise Him all His angels, boastfully praise Him all His multitudes. 
Our text begins at the throne of God and it moves to what's nearest to the throne of God, that's angels, and gradually it makes its way down to mankind. Why should the angels boastfully praise God? Brothers and sisters in Christ, the angels, it appears they were created on day one. We know God was done creating by day six, and they were, they were holy, like Adam and Eve. They were before the throne of God, and they could see his holiness. But brothers and sisters in Christ, one of those angels decided he could overpower God and be in God's place, and that was a really foolish thing to believe. He led a rebellion. The book of Revelation leads us to believe of about one-third of the angels. We call them demons. Those angels now cannot do anything holy. All they can do is unholy. They are forever condemned and they are sealed in their unholiness. But the angels who did not rebel, God sealed them in their holiness so that they could never ever rebel again. To be perfectly holy, that alone is a reason to praise God. But the angels get to do His will. They've been messengers to bring the commandments and stuff to mankind, to deliver us from the powers of the devil. And when they do, they praise the Lord. They boastfully praise the Lord. And so we go from the throne of God to those who serve before the throne of God. Now, the Hebrew mind, we don't want to say three levels of heaven, but they kind of saw God talking so human beings can understand. He talks of his throne, which we call heaven in English, as being above all the rest of creation. And then the Hebrew mind, they saw the planets as being below that. And they saw what you and I call the atmosphere as being below that. So it's not different levels of heaven, but just thinking of the hierarchy of God's salvation. So the next thing we get into is what is the furthest for you and I to reach as far as the confines of what mankind can reach on his own. Boastfully praise him, sun and moon. Boastfully praise him, all stars of light. Boastfully praise him, highest heavens. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how do the stars and the sun and the moon praise the Lord? You know, it's amazing. God, as we're going to find out here in just a minute, He set their orbits. He put them in space. And you know, until we had GPS systems, people used to navigate the sea by looking at the stars God gave for us. We tell time by sending a laser beam up to the moon and back. Yes, their very existence praises the Lord. When I was younger and, 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 and taking high school science and stuff like that, I remember being shown pictures of the satellites that they sent to orbit Jupiter and take pictures of this gigantic, gaseous planet. Imagine the gravitational pull of that planet. If it got much bigger, it would explode and burn like a second sun, but it doesn't. But you know, those gaseous giants, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune... You know, they actually are part of God's plan in preserving the crown of, of his creation, mankind. Because 15 years ago, it became really popular. Hollywood was making disaster movies in which asteroids would strike the earth and kill everybody and all that. You know, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, those huge gaseous giants, they're like gigantic vacuum cleaners. And they suck those out and they don't hit the earth because of them. Yes, we have looked for life in other places in the universe and have listened for signals and have yet to find any. It does seem that earth is what it's all about and earth is meant to be the home for you and I and even those stars, even the sun which gives us light and heat and, and, and its photosynthesis grows plants, they praise God because they are meant to preserve the crown of his creation, you and I. 
The next part he gets into, I missed the King James Version word firmament. That's what you and I call atmosphere. And he says, Boastfully praise Him, highest heavens, and waters which come from and are upon the heavens. Let them keep on boastfully praising the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He caused them to stand forever and ever, and He gave a decree and it will not pass away. God created the natural laws that govern this universe, the stars, the planets, the atmosphere that provides the rain that our lives so desperately need. And yes, creation was subject to decay when Adam and Eve fell into sin, but these continue doing what God designed them to do, and by doing that, they praise the Lord. Like looking at paintings, if you get to know a particular artist's style, you start to recognize it. When you look at space, when you look at creation, you see God's artistic signature. And you see that in all of it, it's meant to serve the crown of His creation, mankind. And so as we say farewell to Alleluia, boastfully praise the Lord. All the heavenly hosts do. And that word we translate as armies or multitudes, boastfully praise Him, all His multitudes, that's the army of the angels. But yes, He even calls on the stars, the planets. They serve His purpose his army in which he protects and defends us from the things of nature and even from those who would try to snuff our faith. Now, as I said, this is Hebrew poetry and we begin from the highest heights and we work our way down to the lowest depths and then we get to man. And so let's do that. Verse 7 looks at creation and it says, Boastfully praise the Lord from the earth, huge sea creatures in all ocean depths. Amazing, isn't it? Even the deepest depth of the ocean, the lowest point we can get into without drilling into the earth's core. There, God's artistic signature is seen. They serve a purpose in creation and even in preserving our life. Even those gigantic sea creatures like whales that if you're on a little raft and you see one, might scare you pretty good. Uh Uh-oh, I hope I don't capsize. They're all there boastfully praising the Lord. The next thing he says is amazing. Verse 8, it says... Fire and hail, snow and fog, windy windstorms. And then it says that are carrying out his word. Creation was subject to decay after Adam and Eve bought into the devil's lie. But brothers and sisters in Christ, even now, when lightning strikes and forests light up on fire, when we have fog and we can't see anything, when we have wind that we can hardly stand up to, like they clocked two weeks ago at 90 miles an hour, not too far from our church here, it says... They are carrying out His word. God uses those brothers and sisters in Christ. He uses those. When they take human life for the Christians whose lives are taken, God says, now it's time to spare you from this veil of tears. I'm taking you to heaven. But for all life, all mankind, they leave us the message. This world is not what you want to be attached to. This world was subject to decay. Seek the Lord while He may be found. And many years ago, when I served in a small town just 12 miles north of the Nebraska border in South Dakota, a town south of us by uh, some miles had a tornado heading straight for that. But it was very clear that day that it was God's will that that tornado was not to do any damage to that town. For no understanding reason or principle of science, that tornado lifted up, went past right over the town, and then set back down again. Last year, a tornado hit that town I used to serve in. But in all of that, both cases, God God was in control and even had a reason for allowing it. 
Sometimes we might not know that reason until we get to heaven, and I suspect then we might not even care anymore. But in all that, we see creation serves God's purpose. And again, it's meant to give us a message that God is powerful and that we are to seek him while he may be found. And so we continue going to the highest parts of this of this earth, the mountains and all hills. And then he gets to the things he made that, that sustains our lives. Fruit trees and all cedars. Then he gets to the, the things that exist that, are, that, that take air that are not man. The wild beasts and all cattle. Crawling creatures and winged birds. Yes, these things were subject to decay and they suffered death now too because of Adam and Eve's sin. But they're also part of, of what God gave in creation for us. And their existence still shows God's majesty still shows his love and his glory. But now we finally get to men. Do you think that presidents, communist dictators, do you think that they are above God? They may think they are. In modern times, one of the greatest persecutors of Christians are communist governments. And I'm not saying all communist governments, but particular ones. But yet he says, earthly kings and all peoples, leaders and earthly rulers, young men and also young women, old people along with youths. All are to praise the Lord. Sadly, many humans don't, do they? And yet he created them. He still sends rain on them while they're rejecting him, maybe even spewing hatred towards them. He still feeds them. He still offers them his grace. Isn't it amazing? Those in positions to abuse government power, to enslave men. Well, I've already mentioned people in government positions persecuting Christians. The greatest time in history that ever happened was the Roman government itself. And yet they complained the more they tried to kill Christians, the more it turned out being they were spreading the message themselves. Christians being given the ultimate message to testify why they would go to the death knowing that they had been saved and it began to convert even Roman higher fluting people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, even here on earth, the creation praises the Lord, shows his powerful signature. But brothers and sisters in Christ, it all is meant for mankind. So as we say farewell to Alleluia, boastfully praise the Lord, the heavenly hosts always do, and all creation does. But verse 13 and 14 now tell us especially why we are to praise the Lord. Verse 13 says, let them keep on boastfully praising the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. God's name tells you everything God does for you. It's the things He's chosen for you to reveal about Himself. In the Old Testament, the name Elohim, which we translate God, it means He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and He rules over this creation to bring you to and keep you in salvation. The name Yahweh, which we translate as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that tells you God's faithful to His covenants. When He makes a promise to you, there's nothing that's going to keep Him from that promise. The name Jesus... That means Savior. It emphasizes God took on human flesh for us to save us, to be our substitute. Christ, that's anointed. He was anointed to be our Savior, not you and I. Now, lots of times people hear that you're to give glory and boastfully praise the name of the Lord. And they think of the commandment and they're right. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But then they make that commandment say things it doesn't say. You've got to address God by the exact right name. In other words, if you were to turn around and, and just say, Jesus, my brother, please save me. But brothers and sisters in Christ, in our psalm, Allelu, that's boastfully praise. But the Hebrew word, Yah, it's a contraction from Yahweh. 
It's like if you've got a buddy named William, but you call him Willie. Why am I bringing this up? In the time Christ walked the earth and during the medieval ages, the, the Masoretic Jews thought it was a sin to say that name Yahweh, and they stayed away from it. There are Christians today who name their churches G-D because they think it would be wrong to say God. God's name tells you what he does for you. And that's where you see it's exalted above all things because God is a gracious, loving God. When he returns to judge the heavens and the earth, it's all going to be destroyed and made anew. But his name stands forever. And he's wrote his name on you. And that transitions so beautifully into verse 14. And he lifts up a horn of salvation for his people. I mentioned Advent earlier. I cannot help when I read this to think of Zechariah. He was the father of the Lord's forerunner, John the Baptist. Recall, he didn't believe the angel's message. So he wasn't allowed to talk until the child was born. And when he makes it clear that child's name was to be John, because he was the Lord's forerunner, then he's allowed to talk again. And he sings a song in Hebrew. And one of the things he says in that song is recorded by Luke is, Praise the Lord, because he has lifted up a horn of salvation for his people from the house of David. The horn, well... I would not want to be on the business end of a horn when a bull was coming towards me with the idea of protecting itself or hurting me. A horn was a sign of power. A horn of salvation. You and I cannot save ourselves. But God chose to take on that human name, Jesus. He chose to take on human flesh. You and I could not stand up to the eternity of hell. And yet God is so powerful, he could do it in three hours on the cross, which we're going to be celebrating in seven weeks. And then he could defeat death for you and I so that heaven is ours. Why do we praise the Lord? Because he's our savior. In verse 14, that next part gets translated many different ways. Saints, holy ones. But it's from the Hebrew verb for committed love. God's committed to us even though we're sinners. So you and I who are now in that, we're his ones in his committed love. So, and he lifts up a horn of salvation for all his people, for all his committed ones. Those in his committed love. God has put his Holy Spirit in your heart so that you know Jesus is your Savior. He's engrafted you to Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're the one in his committed love here. You have a reason to praise him. You are eternally alive because he's your Savior. And so it says, for the sons of Israel, the people close to him. And our psalm ends the same way it began. Boastfully praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we conclude today's sermon, we're going to sing a hymn we sing once a year where we say farewell to Alleluia for seven weeks. But as we say farewell to Alleluia, as we look at our sin through that what seems sometimes like a dreary season of Lent, boastfully praise the Lord. The heavenly hosts always do. All creation does. You and I do. Because he is our Savior. Amen. Let us conclude our sermon with prayer. God Most High, by your word you created a wondrous universe, and through your spirit you breathed into it the breath of life. Accept creation's hymn of praise from our lips, and let the praise that is sung in heaven resound in the heart of every creature on earth, to the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.